The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon. This is the Authentic Living Show, and this is Andrea Matthews. Today, we're going to be talking about how we let go. One of the most difficult topics on planet Earth. So people say it all the time, right? You hear it almost every day. Let it go, man. Just let it go. But what they forget to tell you is how to let it go. It's easier said than done, right? And if you're holding on to something, obsessed with it, ruminating over it, worried about it, and generally upset over the whole thing, then letting go is going to seem like dropping from the top of Grand Canyon to its floor. It ain't going to happen. We simply and profoundly will not let go of one thing unless we're holding on to something else. That's why so many breakups are followed all too swiftly with another quick start to a new relationship. We're just trying to hold on to something that makes us feel okay. We can tell ourselves we should be okay, but we're just not. So how to let go? That's the topic of today's show. You want to be here for the whole thing because how-to is a very interesting topic. So, okay, let's talk about what it's like when we don't let go first. What, what, let, what not letting go is all about is holding on. So I'm holding on because to something that I think will, I'll, I imagine to myself will work. I tell myself, well, if I just do X, Y, and Z, then it'll be okay. Or I'll just hold on longer. Or I'll just be nicer. Or I'll just uh, work harder. Or I'll just strive more. Or I'll just do so-and-so and so-and-so. And then everything will be okay. That is a bargain. We've talked about bargains before on these shows. They always start with the if, and somewhere in the middle there's a then. If, then. That's what a bargain is made up. If I do X, then Y will happen. And generally speaking, bargains are made up of magical thinking. So what that means is if I'm married to an alcoholic, I can tell myself, well, if I just am kinder and nicer, then maybe he'll stop using. Or if I just say the right thing or, or, or push the right button or, or, or um, can make love to him more or uh, maybe if I'm just satisfying his needs better or maybe if I feed him better or I clean the house more or X, Y, Z. I'm being the wife here and it's a him we're talking about as the alcoholic. It doesn't have to be that way. It can be the way, of course. But, but in this case, I'm saying to myself, if I do all these things, then he'll do something else. And, of course, I'm doing all this without even talking to him about it. That's usually the case. I'm not telling him that I'm bargaining, that I'm saying, well, I'm going to do all this, so now you, you pay me back by doing this. I'm going to clean the house and keep the kids quiet, and, and, and I'm going to, um, 
you know, be really nice to you and make love to you seven times a week or whatever you want. And I'm going to, you know, it's going to be great. I'm going to take care of you in every way you can imagine. And what I need you to do is stop drinking. And, uh, of course, that conversation doesn't happen. It's just all in our minds. We tell ourselves, I'm going to do these things, and then he'll do X, Y, and Z. But, of course, then he doesn't, and we feel betrayed yet again. And, and so then we start over with a new bargain. Well, then I'll do this, and then he'll do that. Um, and it doesn't work because he's not going to stop drinking until he's ready to stop drinking. And that's not going to happen as long as he's getting all of his needs met uh, in other ways because he's not going to feel any pain. So here's the hardest thing for us to let go of. The hardest thing for us to let go of is control of other people. Why? Because we can't control them. It's hardest to let go of the imaginings that we can control them because we can't control them. We have absolutely no say-so over somebody else's choice. Let me say that again. We have absolutely no say-so over somebody else's choice. And we don't realize that everything they do is based in choice. Their choice, not ours. And so that's the hardest thing for us to let go of because somewhere along the way, we learned, generally speaking, from our parents and, gen- and also from society, that we had the power to make people angry, to make people sad, to make people happy, to, uh, to get them to behave differently, to, you know, we, we got taught this. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation, this myth that we have the power to make other people do things. And we don't have that power. That power does not belong to us. And I can tell you, I am a psychotherapist and I'm in the help, therefore in the helping profession. And you would think that I would be someone who could say, well, of course you can help other people. Of course you can change other people, right? I'm in the people changing business, right? No, that's not true. You can't change other people. You can't even help other people because all help is self-help to the degree that the person chooses to receive the help or to pick up the tools that they've been given and use them, whatever. It's, it, the point is that you, you, we, cannot, we don't have any control over other people. So the hardest thing for us to let go of is this idea that we can control other people. And so the first thing that has to shift is what's in our head about that, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. But for right now, what I want to say is what happens when we don't let go is that we're miserable. We're worried about it. We're obsessed with it very commonly. Is my wife cheating on me? I don't know. Let me go check her phone mail again. Her uh, her phone again. Is it, you know? Is she uh, talking to somebody else? Let me call her work again and, and find out. That that kind of obsession. Um, and I see this every day in my practice that people come in and say, you know, she or he would just won't stop calling me at work. They call me twenty five times a day because they're so worried that I might be talking to somebody else or doing something that doesn't involve them, and it's based in. The, the obsessed person's insecurity, but they're trying to get somebody else outside of them to be in control so they will feel better. And that's what the illusion of holding on is really all about. I'm reaching outside of me to take care of what's inside of me. I'm trying to get something else out here to fix something in here. Um, and it, it's not going to happen. So, 
let's say that finances are the biggest concern. You know, I'm, I'm so worried that I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm so worried. I'm so worried. I'm so worried. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. And I, I'm trying my best. I'm doing the best I can. I'm working. I'm bringing home my paycheck. I'm just so worried. You know, that, that kind of thing. So, so you know, we, we, we get in that head and we just stay there and stay there and stay there and stay there. And that's miserable. It's an awful place to live. And so somebody, uh, Esther and Jerry Hicks and later Rhonda Byrne, invented what's called the law of attraction. And they said, well, you don't have to do that. As a matter of fact, when you're doing that, it makes it worse. You're even attracting the bad things that you are worried are going to happen. And, of course, then people start saying, oh, my gosh, I have to control my brain because my brain is getting me in trouble. So then they started trying to think really positive thoughts. And then later they came along and said, well, no, you have to feel positive feelings, too. So then they started trying to feel positive feelings. And then they said, well, no, that's not good enough either. You have to try to imagine really positive things, too, and keep that in your head all day. And and so don't let any negative thoughts or feelings come into you at all, and then you'll have what you want. And so people started really doing some really obsessive, compulsive ways of trying to make sure their thoughts stayed in line with this principle that if they only thought good thoughts all the time, then the universe would give them what they want. Do you hear the bargain in that? If I, then the universe will. It's a bargain. It's based in magical thinking. Okay? There, the, the law of attraction... It, uh, is not really a law of attraction. It's a law of acceptance. It's a law of recep- reception. It's a law that says, I really own what is mine. I really do own what is mine. And we'll talk about that in the last section. But, but the point is that, that that law of attraction came about to help us deal with this misery about not being able to let go. We, we can't seem to, to let go. We don't know what to hold on to. We, we do all kinds of things in the name of trying not to think about those things that bother us. So somebody comes along and says, let it go, man. And, and we say, well, okay, well, I'm going to let it go by, by trying to uh, not think about it anymore. That's generally accepted version of letting it go. Just don't think about it. Just stop thinking about it. Well, if I say to you right now, pink elephant, the first thing that comes into your mind is either why in the heck did she say a pink elephant or an p- image of a pink elephant. So... When we, when we, when somebody says something to us, we automatically think that. Now, if I say to you, now don't think about a pink elephant, the first thing you're going to do is think about a pink elephant. So, at least long enough to think, I shouldn't be thinking that. So, we, we, we can't make ourselves stop thinking either. The best we can do with regard to stop not thinking about something is to, to repress it, to repress that thought. Just push it away, push it away, push it away, push it away. And, of course, then it's going to keep coming back up. It'll come up in our dreams. It'll come up in our feelings. It'll come up somewhere in our bodies. It'll come up somewhere else because we've just repressed it. It's not going to go away. It just goes down inside to pop up later. So we haven't really dealt with it. We haven't really sat with it. We haven't really understood it. We just try to push it away. That's not a way of letting go. It, it comes back later. So it's kind of like shooting, or trying to... Uh, shoot a rubber band while you're holding on to the other end of it. It's going to pop you. <laughs> so, so, uh, so. Speaking of rubber bands, there are people who use rubber bands to try to keep themselves from thinking things. They'll pop themselves, put a rubber band around their wrist, and then pop themselves on the wrist every time a thought comes up. And that used to be uh, a preferred uh, adverse therapy. Um, I don't prefer it at all. I think it's a form of self-abuse. And it, it literally has created blisters on people's arms from having to pop themselves so much because they think about something so much and they can't make themselves stop. So 
the truth is we can't make ourselves stop thinking things either. We can't control other people, and we can't make ourselves stop thinking things. So here we are holding on to this thing that's making us miserable, and we don't know how to let go. So we just keep holding on. We keep bargaining. We keep trying to, to, to figure out how we can do it better, harder, longer, swifter in order to get it to do what we need it to do. And uh, in some cases, it's not going to change. Or if it does change, it'll be because somebody changed it or some shift in, in the economy or some shift in my workload or some shift in something changed and then things got better or different anyway. So how this whole thing about letting go is is uh you know based in the idea put forth by the buddha that attachment is what causes our suffering and i agree with that idea and we're going to talk some more about how that works attachment does cause our suffering because in order in by being by holding on to what it is that isn't working or even by holding on to what it is that is working i'm denying my actual connection to the divine, to to spirit, to my deepest essence, essential self. Uh, I'm really I'm saying to myself that only this thing that I'm holding on to matters. As long as I have this thing that I'm holding on to, I'll be okay. If something happens to that thing that I'm holding on to, I'll no longer be okay. I did a show not long ago on detachment, so you might want to go back and listen to that uh, that show. I think I did a couple of encores for that too, so it shouldn't be too very long ago. So, uh, but but the whole idea is detachment is a form of letting go. It's a little bit different because there's a spiritual base to it. But whether we have a spiritual life or not, we can learn how to let go. Um, our letting go process is based largely in reality rather than bargaining. Um, so, when we are placed in a situation where bargaining occurs, it's like um, I, I hate my job, but if I hang on here long enough and if I could just hang in here a little bit longer, I know I'm going to get a promotion and I know that by then I won't have to do these menial tasks that I really hate doing and I'll get a bit of bigger paycheck and maybe I'll like that job better. Okay, so there's a bargain. Uh, it says if I hold on, then I'll be able to, it, things will get better. Um, so... First of all, if I hold on to a job that I hate, I'm not likely to get promoted because somebody who loves the job is going to do it much better and they're going to get promoted instead of me. So that's A. B, why would I want to stay in a job I hate to get promoted to supervise other people to do jobs that I hated? I don't see how that works. Um, Am I going to love that more? Probably not. Um, So... Why do we do that? We do that because we think we have to have a job and we're only going to be okay if we have a job. Therefore, we keep the job thinking, oh, I can't go out there and get another one uh, because, you know, that's too insecure. I'm too insecure to go looking for another job. I'm too afraid. Uh, I'm afraid the boss will find out I'm looking. I'm afraid that I won't be able to get another job. I'm afraid that it'll tell me that that the world, the universe will show me that I'm really lousy and not worthy of another job and not worthy of a nice paycheck. I'm afraid of all those things. So let me just stay here in this job and, 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 and be unhappy and miserable. And then I'll get a promotion because why? Because I'm doing the job so poorly because I hate it. Probably not. Um, so that whole idea that, that 
that I'm going to make things happen by doing my doing it my way. I'm going to figure out this strategy, and the universe is just going to agree with me. <laughs> I'm going to stay in the job. Therefore, the universe, the the people that are uh, above me and below me, and they're, they're all going to comply with my magical thinking. They're just going to go along with it because why? Because I need them to. No, I don't think so. That's not how it works. That's what holding on is like. And that's why it makes us miserable because it doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't work because we keep staying in the same scenario, holding on to the same miserable uh, uh, things and hoping for different results. So the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, looking for different results. That's what holding on is. It's a state of insanity. It's a refusal to let go of the things that are not working. And, you know, if you look at it in terms of detachment, it's also uh, the refusal to let go of the idea that our okayness is dependent upon the things, people, and places, and events in our lives. Uh, they are. It isn't. Our okayness is, de- is dependent only on our spirit, which is the deepest self. But that's for the, uh, the third segment of the show today. So, so what we've said thus far is that Holding on is a bargain. If I hold on, then things will be the way I want them to be. If I can just get uh, the people in my life to do what I want them to do, then I'll be okay. So I talk to people all the time in my private practice who missed out on a family that they really wanted. They, uh, they, were, they were born into a family where they weren't received and accepted and loved, and um, they miss that and they want that and they long for that and they wish they could have that. And, and uh, so that what they do is they try to get the people in that family to do better so that they can have the family they want. So they might try to get dad and mom to get back together if they're divorced. They might try to get mom to stop being abusive. They might try to get dad to stop drinking. They might try to get all these, uh, all these little nuts and bolts into place in the family so that I can finally have the family that I want. Okay, so they spend years trying to get everybody to act right and wondering why they can't get everybody to act right and wondering why these people are so stupid that they just can't see why, how, how badly they're acting, you know. And so they live these long lives of misery holding on and holding on and holding on to the possibility that one day they can have the family they want if they can just get everybody screwed around in the same direction and then they can finally have that family. And of course it never works because they're still working with the same old people who don't know how to do family. And so they're miserable, unhappy people. So what we have to do is figure out how to accept this is my family. These are the people that I got born into this relationship with. And they're immature. They're dysfunctional. They're alcoholics or addicts. They're people who don't have a capacity for love. They just don't have what it is that I need. So, okay, that's how it is. So now how can I get what I need? Now we're beginning to let go. And we're going to talk about that some more right after the break. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We are all searching for a deeper meaning in life. The possibility exists to create our life from the perspective of our true divine nature, where the experience of joy, love, 
abundance, freedom, and peace is our birthright. On the Inner Frontier, host Darlene Green presents a new topic every week with a high-frequency conversation to support a gentle revealing of the divine that is unique to you. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for The Inner Frontier. Tune in every week for Blooming in the Light. Host Marie Helen Turenne will take you on a journey of personal growth and happiness. By using her experiences and those of her guests, she shows you that challenges in your life are really blessings in disguise. Whether you're facing aversion in parenting, education, spirituality, or other life experiences, we're here to show you a broader and lighter side. Blooming in the Light can be heard every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a Ph.D., a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and peace, peace, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text-writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to call, talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. 
Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about letting go and how we do that. And what we said in the first segment is, generally speaking, uh, letting go is all about bargaining. I mean, excuse me, holding on is all about bargaining. So that we bargain with a reality in order to, to hold on to what we've got, hoping that it will make us feel okay. But of course, we're miserable the whole time. Very commonly, we're ruminating over it, worried about it, generally upset, obsessed with it sometimes. Um, so what we said just before the break was that um, we would talk a little bit about what happens when we let go. And so that's what we're going to do this segment. Uh, what we said was when we begin to look at reality and accept reality, that is when we begin to let go. So reality is, uh, in opposition to the story we told in the first segment, my, the reality could be something like this. I happen to be married to an alcoholic. He uh, doesn't pay much attention to the kids or me, and um, I have talked to him about this several times. We've tried to do an intervention even. Nothing is working. I've, I've nagged him. I've stopped nagging him. I've been kind to him. I've stopped being kind to him. I've done all kinds of things, hoping that he would change, and nothing is working. I was doing all that in the process of trying to hold on. Of course, this is not my story, but I'm, I'm making up a story as we go, that uh, I am uh, I'm very, very worried. I'm obsessed, I'm obsessed about it. I'm every day worried that what he's going to do next because he drinks so much. And what has he got to worry about but to how to get some more alcohol? That's all he's got to worry about. I'm worried about everything else, how to pay the bills, how to take care of the kids, how to manage my life without him, how to get him to stop drinking, how to, how to, how to, how to. I'm worried about all those things, but he's not. He just wants to get another drink. And the truth is I'm facilitating his in getting another drink. I'm enabling him in getting another drink because I make sure that he doesn't have anything to worry about because I do all the worrying for him. Uh, So I'm pretty miserable. But when I look at that and I go, okay, that's the way it is. I happen to be married to an alcoholic. He doesn't look like he's in any mood to change. He doesn't. I don't see change in the in in the past. I don't see change in the potential future. So I think I better just take my kids and go, because it's time for me to start taking care of reality. The reality is, I'm married to a man who can't be a husband or a father, and therefore I need to get out of this and go find a man who can be a husband and a father, um, or just be single by myself. So. That is acceptance. That is letting go. That's why, uh, you know, the serenity prayer is all about that bottom line of acceptance. That's why we gain wisdom through acceptance. That's why acceptance is the end of the grief process. Acceptance is the final rung of any growth process. Looking at reality, seeing it for what it is, and saying, okay, there it is. Now, we have these little voices in our heads that say, well, yeah, but what if? Yeah, but what if I could change it? What if I could do this? And so very commonly, it takes us getting to that final bottom line place where we just realize that we've tried everything we know and nothing has worked. And I'm sorry that we have to go that wet route because it takes a lot of years, a lot of energy, a lot of time, and a lot of misery for us to get to that place where we finally go, okay, I got it. This is not going to change. Uh, well, we could get there earlier. We could get there earlier. 
And the way we do that is take a hard, cold look at the reality of a given scenario. So in the other scenario that I, that I gave us in the first segment, I hate my job. Now, in the first segment, I bargained with that. And I said to myself, well, I hate my job, but that's go- okay because, you know, everybody hates their job. That's why they call it W-O-R-K, right? And besides that, I'm going to get a promotion one day, and then I won't hate my job so much, and I'll have more income, and that'll be all right, right? Yeah. In the meantime, I'm going to the bar every night and getting smashed out of my mind drunk because I hate my job so much. Or I'm not getting drunk. I'm just depressed. Or I'm not depressed. I'm just kind of dull, empty, not much life in me. Yeah, that's how I want to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, a, a better, perhaps more, um, more powerful way to live is to put life into life. You're not just surviving because you've got a job now and you better hold on to it because if you don't, you're not going to find anything else and you'll starve, end up in the gutter. Uh, no, that's not, that's not reality. Reality is I could find another job. I hate this job because it doesn't match my temperament, my skills, my, my creativity, my intelligence, my whatever. It doesn't match. It's not a good fit. Therefore, I need to find another job that's a better fit. I might have to go back to school to do that, but I need to find another job that's a better fit. Oh, but I can't go back to school. I don't have any money. Have you researched that? Have you found out what kind of grants and financial uh, um, loans are available to you? Uh, no, I've got four kids. I can't do that. Right. Could you find something a little closer to what you love than what you're doing right now? Very probably. So, you know, unless you want to be a doctor and you are, don't even have a, a GED, you don't have that much school to go to. And, and there are possibilities for all kinds of things that, you know, you might look into. What's possible is a question we don't ask we don't ask what's possible. We just go, okay, well, let me just take this mud pie and try to put some sugar on it, and maybe it'll taste all right. Um, and that's not how it works. Um, is it possible that relatives could pay for me going back to school? Is it possible that I don't really need to go back to school? Is it what's possible? What's possible? That's the question we ask when we begin to accept reality. Not... Uh, I, I guess I better just stay here and suck it up. But what's possible? You know, can I leave this job and find a better job? Even if I have to find another job that isn't all that I want it to be right now, but I can move in the direction of the, the way I want to go, that's still a step in the right direction. So w- what that says is I now see that I'm headed in a direction that will, that will enliven me and make my life meaningful. Um, and so I don't have to live depressed or drinking at the bar every night because I'm, I hate my job so much or, um, you know, just feeling meaningless and empty. I don't have to live that way. Uh, bargaining with the reality that I have a job I hate, I can, live, I can live into truth. The reality is there are all kinds of possibilities and all kinds of options. There's never just one option. Never, ever is there just one option. Never, ever are there just two options, the good one and the bad one. <laughs> that just so rarely happens. It's, uh, it, it's, I would have to say it was impossible, the odds against it. So, you, 
you, you know, when we're thinking about our lives, what we tend to do is get ourselves into a dark hole and stay there 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 until we just can't stand it any longer. And then we finally say, okay, this is a dark hole. I don't like it here. I think I'll get out. Okay, so that's how that very commonly happens for us. Uh, And the staying there part is the holding on. The part that says, okay, I think this is really a dark hole and I'd like to get out of it now, means two things. One, I've accepted reality. And two, I've taken responsibility for it. That is what it's like to let go. I have to accept reality on reality's terms. Not my terms, not my magical thinking terms, not some kind of terms that say, oh, it'll be all right if I, but rather reality's terms. So uh, NAA, uh, NACA, all those uh, anonymous groups, they talk about accepting life on life's terms. I like that phrase. I've borrowed it, used it a lot in my practice, that life is what it is. Um, And so we have to accept life on life's terms. And life includes suffering. Life includes lessons. Life includes um, really wonderful times. Life includes all the things that are possible um, if we're open to the possibilities. So so in letting go, what I do is I I look at reality cold, hard in the face. And I say, okay, this is what is. This is what is. This is the reality I'm living in right now. Can I change that? Can I change that reality by bargaining with it? Let me ask myself that realistic question. So if the question has to do with somebody else, and what somebody else is going to do, the answer is an absolute resounding no. You cannot, I cannot, no one can change other people. We cannot change other people. We cannot motivate them. We cannot get them up in the morning to go to work. We cannot make them not depressed. We cannot make them not anxious. We can't make them stop drinking. We can't make them behave better. We can't make them love us more. We can't do control other people, period, end of subject. That is the most important thing. If you take nothing home from this, this radio show today, take this home. You and I cannot change other people. We have no power over other people. I remember talking to somebody years ago uh, and who, who was just so shocked at that reality that she kept saying, but surely we have some influence over other people. I mean, you know, we, we try to influence each other all the time. And I said, yes, we do. Yes, we absolutely do. We try to influence people all the time. How, how's that working for you? Yeah, well, not so much. Well, that's because we don't have any power to control other people. <laughs> It's just such a shock to our minds. It's just so hard for us to get it wrapped, our heads wrapped around this idea that we don't have any control over other people. And that, that whole idea is 90% of the trouble we're in in the world today is one person trying to control another one. The, the largest part of the alcohol and drug problem is every, for every alcoholic and drug addict, there's, unless they're in the gutter and, and homeless and already have ruined and destroyed all their ties, um, there's, if there's an alcoholic or an addict in the room, there's probably somebody in the background enabling that alcoholic or addict. And they're enabling them because they refuse to let go. They can't imagine letting go 
Oh my God, if I let go, they'll kill themselves. Oh my God, if I let go, they, they'll keep drinking. Oh my God, if I let go, terrible things are going to happen. Oh my God, if I let go, I'll be all alone. What will I do then? Um, and so they don't let go. And so the alcoholic or the addict can use them and use them and use them and abuse them and use them and abuse them until finally they've had so much that they finally go, you know what? I got to let go. And they could have done that several years before if they had taken that cold, hard look at reality. And then the next thing is to take responsibility for it. To be able to say, okay, who's responsible for my happiness? Who's responsible for my life? My life is all the things that I have created external to my personhood that have to do with the way I the way I um, manage money, the way I, what kind of house I have, my children, the relationships I'm involved in, all those externals. That's the life I've created. I have created this life. And if I'm in a bad job, a bad relationship, uh, a bad scenario of any kind, I have to ask myself, how do I get myself here? Now, I want to be really clear because there's somebody out there thinking this, so I'm going to just say this right now. I'm not talking about if you got kidnapped, all right? If you got kidnapped, okay, you're not responsible for that, all right? I'm going to give you that. But you are responsible for what you do with that, what you do after you get kidnapped, what you do with that in your mind, in your body, whatever else. So uh, we are 100% responsible for how we handle what life gives us. Okay, so life gave you a, a marriage to an alcoholic. Life gave you a bad job. What are you going to do about that? Because that belongs 100% to you. So I could walk out of my house today and get mowed down by a bus. Don't plan on that happening, but if it did and I survived it, I'd have to figure out what I was going to do with that. Am I going to let it ruin me? Or am I going to just try to figure out what I'm going to do that's going to make my life peaceful and whole again. So you hear people say it all the time, you ruined my life, you ruined my life. And typically the people that say this are the best at manipulating other people. And of course, the people that they say it to feel very guilty and responsible for the, for the lives of the people, the person whose life is ruined, of course. And, and so they, they bow to it, they cave to it. They, oh my gosh, I ruined his life, I can't do that. Well, here's the deal. There's only one person who can ruin your life, and that is not somebody else. That is you. There's only one person who can ruin my life, and that is me, because I am 100% in charge of all the choices that I make. So nobody else has the capacity to ruin my life. Yes, there are abusive and oppressive people out there. Yes, there are countries where there is oppression, and, and all people are sort of stagnating in that cesspool, but... Any one of those people can choose another option. Very com commonly, that's how a revolution will occur in a country, is that one or two or three or four or five or six or seven people join together with several other people who say, no, we're tired of this. We want it to stop. And that's how it changes. So they looked at reality. They took responsibility for it. So those are the two steps of acceptance that are so huge that they, they cannot be ignored. If we plan to let go, we have to look at reality, hard, cold reality. This is what is, and then we have to take responsibility for it. So when I take responsibility for that, I say, okay, this is my life. Is this the life I want to continue to have? 
or would I like it to be different? If I would like it to be different, then it's my job to make it different. It's not your job. It's my job. I can't make you make me feel better. I can't make you behave better so that I'll feel better. I can't make you fix your life so that my life will be fixed. That's reaching outside of me to fix what's inside of me. It never works. And it's another form of holding on. Letting go means saying, okay, this is, this is how it is. So this is what I'm going to have to do to make it better for me. I'm going to have to make some changes that are meaningful that will make a real difference. Oh, that's so scary. Ooh, that's hard to do. Yes, indeed it is. Is it harder than what you're doing now? Probably not. Probably uh, you get to the end of misery by taking responsibility for your life. By holding on, you just maintain the misery. So we're going to talk about the spiritual element of this right after the break. Stay tuned for that. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. The divine lives within every one of us. Some people just need help unlocking it. Once you understand your own shadow self, you can begin to take steps to say goodbye to remorse, guilt, and shame. Then, own up to living your life with great delight. Listen for Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with host Jim Stacy. For 15 years, Jim has studied the Aramaic language, the non-religious language of Yeshua. And through that language, you can learn how to choose the life you want to live and live above smallness and the victim. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about how to let go. It's a topic that most people don't talk about because we don't want to hear about it. We'd rather just hold on. Uh, 
And and so when people tell us to let go, uh, we, it's easy enough for us to say, well, how? how? You know, how do you do that? Or that's just too hard. Uh, but the truth is, as we said in the last break, that before the last break, is that it's, it is much harder and lasts much longer to continue to hold on than it is to let go. Then it gets easier eventually. And we learn to be more true to who we are in the process of letting go. So we said in the second segment that letting go was about um, facing reality and taking responsibility for it. Now we're going to talk about the spiritual element of that. I said in the first, very first part of the show that we, we just will not let go of one thing unless we're holding on to something else. Well, the something else that we can hold on to is the divine within us. Uh, in order to let go, we have to trust life. We have to trust that life has something meaningful for us, that, it has, that we are a part of a process that is meaningful, that, we, that things make sense in some kind of ordered way, not necessarily routine way, not necessarily uh, uh, an order that we would uh, expect, but some kind of order. We want to trust that there's some kind of order that, uh, to that. And in order for us to do that, we've got to have some kind of relationship with a higher being. Now, it doesn't matter whether the higher being is God or Jesus or Buddha or uh, or uh, any of the Hindu gods, or um, Brahman, or Muhammad, uh, or uh, any any of those. Muhammad was a prophet, not a god. But but the idea is that we're we're not uh, we are we are not willing to let go of one thing until we hold on to another. And the holding on that we can do, and literally do with with peace, is hold on to a, a divine. Understanding of something divine. Now, for some people, the divine is within us. For other people, the divine is outside of us. But either way, the divine is still within us because outside is inside and inside is outside. So it, it doesn't matter. Whichever way you see it, your, the, your image of your, your God, your higher power, can change and alter as you begin to, to see life as it is Accept what is, the difficulty that is, take responsibility for that, for that, what you're going to do about that, and then begin to trust the process that uh, either through prayer or through meditation that you can begin to say, okay, I'm going to put this in gear and I know that something's going to come out of here that's meaningful because, because I'm going to jump in the river and the river's going to carry me to a new place. And will you be scared? I, I loved uh, the Super Soul Sunday a couple of weeks ago when Yana Van Zant was on. She said, you need to be in a place where you're just scared enough to have just a little bit of pee rolling down your leg. <laughs> that was, that's really true. We do, the, the risk we take when we let go is scary. It absolutely is. And that's one of the main reasons we don't want to ever let go is because we're scared. But the truth is that uh, when we do and we get, we say, okay, Higher power, whatever you call that, source, father, beingness, light, truth, uh, God, Allah, whatever you call it, uh, that's your higher power. And you can say, okay, I'm jumping in the river. You're going to have to carry me because I've got to trust this process at some point. I've got to trust that there is something carrying me. 
And that's how we learn to trust, by putting ourselves in that river. Then we begin to see that, oh, it's got a flow to it. Oh, it's got an energy to it. Oh, I am being carried. Oh, I see. This is how this makes sense. Oh, that's how that works. And so that, that having a higher power to hold on to when we let go of something else is very, very helpful. I work with a lot of people in my practice who espouse great faith. They know what to do about every situation because they're going to do the right thing. And they, they call that their religion. They say, well, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing, and the right thing is X, Y, or Z. So I'm going to go do that. I'm going to turn the other cheek, or I'm going to give to someone else, or I'm going to be unselfish. I'm going to do the right thing because that's what they've been taught to do. And yet, they're perpetually worried, 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 worried all the time. And, and you know, very, very commonly, we, if we can ease into this subject with real gentleness um, I will be able at some point to say, where's your faith when it comes to worry? See, worry is a way of holding on. Worry is a way of saying, I, I got to figure this out. 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 And I, I'm going to keep thinking about it and uh, obsessing about it and ruminating on it until I figure it out. You know, even if it's something like a relative's illness that we know in our minds that we can't do anything about, and yet worry is a kind of way of saying, well, I'm doing something. I'm worrying, aren't I? I'm doing something. That makes me a good person, right? That means I care, right? So, so we, we delude ourselves with these bargains to hold on to worry, and we tell ourselves that I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to figure this out. And there are many, many things that can't be figured out. You just head your boat in the right direction and trust that the river is going to carry you. Uh, and the right direction is, is with the flow. With the flow. So a big part of, of being able to recover from anything that we're letting go of is trusting the flow. I had a very dear friend who's passed now who taught me how to uh, kayak. And one of the things she said was, when you get in the boat and you, you're looking at the, at the front of the boat, it's got a point on it. You point that, the point of the boat toward the point in the V in the water. So the rivers flow toward a point in, the end point of an upside-down V. So I'm in the, the cup of the V, the letter V as in Victor, and uh, and I'm, and I'm flowing toward the point of the V. And when I did that, I didn't have to worry too much about rowing. The boat, the river just carried me. It just carried me in its natural flow. And that one thing has taught me more about life than anything else that I know. Is that if I just keep my boat toward the point of the river, then I'm going to be carried and it's going to be all right. I can trust that flow. So the right direction is not to head upstream. That's, you, that's a hard journey there. and <laughs> You're going to get out of the boat sometimes and be walking your boat up the river. But if you get in the river, the river of life, and you head your boat toward the point in the, in the flow, then you're going to be fine. Okay, so I'm speaking metaphor here. But what I mean is that uh, it, we, it, we can trust when we have a divine a relationship with a divine entity. And that divine entity uh, uh, is a global or a universal entity 
then we can trust that that entity will be able to take care of us. If we can't trust that, what is the point of having a relationship with something that big and that universal if we can't even trust it? I'd rather just be agnostic or atheist than to try, have a relationship with a divine being I couldn't trust. So if you have a relationship with a divine being, it might be a good idea to start meditating and bolstering that connection so that when the time comes to let go, you can really do it. We can't really push that river. That river has its own flow. We can't control the divine, although, like I said earlier, uh, many of the people who have, are teaching all about that law of attraction, that if you just think positive thoughts all the time, and no, not just positive thoughts, oh, positive feelings too, have positive feelings, oh, wait, and not just positive feelings, but also keep that image in your mind of what you want all the time, and, and keep your mind always in a positive frame of mind, and never think anything negative, then you can finally have what you want. Then you can finally have what you want, if you'll just do all that. That's trying to control the universe. That's trying to push the river. Whereas surrendering to the river is a letting go process where you just say, okay, I know you got me, so here I go. I'm going getting in the river. That's a whole other thing, and it grants us great peace if we trust, if we learn to trust. And sometimes we learn to trust by getting in the river. Um, certainly, I've had times in my life where where finances were a big concern. And I got in that river and I just said, okay, one time in my life I, I quit a, a very lucrative job in a corporate entity where I was uh, one of the top dogs. And I left that job and had nothing else <laughs> to go with uh, except a prayer. And it turned out just fine. I had no, uh, I had not much savings. I had Nothing to go by except I've got these skills and I'm going to put some uh, leads out there and see what happens. And within a month, I had another contract with another organization that was a good, solid contract so that I could start my private practice. And I started my private practice and here I am today still doing it 18 years later. So, uh, you know, we have to take that risk. That's what letting go means is taking that risk to feel insecure for a little while until we begin to feel more secure. And so having some, uh, a divine connection really does make a difference because we can, we can say, okay, if you want me to do this, I guess you're going to figure out a way for me to do it. I'm jumping in the river, and you're going to have to carry me. And that kind of, that kind of faith, that kind of uh, willingness to take that risk is very commonly what pays off in terms of of letting go. That doesn't mean you have to go jump off a cliff and say the, the angels will catch me. Uh, so I wouldn't encourage that. And I wouldn't encourage taking leads that are just more bargains, where if I jump off this cliff, the angels will catch me, and that will prove that I'm God. That was what Jesus was tempted to do by the devil in those three temptations that he was given in his life story. So those things don't really work. Um, and, and, and saying, well, I'm just going to quit my job because I don't like it, is not very smart either. So I'm not asking you to just go be impulsive and, 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 and just let go so fast that you hang yourself out to dry. What I am suggesting is that you put some prayer into it. You put some meditation onto it. You begin the process of learning how to trust and then, then decide what you're going to do. 
It could be a slow, steady process of letting go. It doesn't have to happen overnight. There, there are no have-tos. Um, this, this process of letting go is indeed a process. It's not something that you're just, oh, one day I've just let go and that's that. Sometimes it happens like that, but more commonly it happens as a process. But it involves these three things. One, accepting reality for what it is, life on life's terms. This is what I have invited into my life. How can, I, how can I change that? How can I get out of that? Now that's me taking responsibility. So I accept it. I take responsibility for it. And as I'm taking responsibility for it, I give it also to my higher power, whatever that is for me, so that I, so that I can really relate to, okay, I'm trusting that my higher power has something better for me. I'm trusting that I, I have a way out that is true and meaningful and makes sense, and will create a better sense of safety and a more uh, greater sense of authenticity in my life, so that I begin to feel more alive and less like I'm burdened with the responsibility for other people's stuff, or other people's decisions, or jobs that I hate, or scenarios that I hate. I can get myself to a new place. So, if you found that you're stuck in a dark place, look around you. Look at the reality in your scenario. Begin to take responsibility for it. Begin to pray about it. Begin to meditate on it. And, and then let go. Let go of what you're holding on to so that you can find something better. Okay, that's our show for today. And we're going to be back next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.